Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a bi-weekly podcast about the world of tabletop gaming and the topics that affect the board game community. In episode five, the Punchboarders talk about what we've been playing, introduce a new segment, discuss what defines a filler game, and then draft our top filler games. Hello, everyone. I'm Clef. Hey there, I'm Chad. And I'm Richie. All right. Well, gentlemen, it is right creeping up to convention season so i can almost feel the excitement right because then we know it's it's gonna be summertime and lots of time for games and new games and clef i know you you got a leg up on us because you uh you you went to uh pretzcon this weekend right i did i did i already got a con in so i'm i'm already ready i i'm so looking forward to this summer um, I've already got trips planned, obviously, for Origins. The, the three of us are going to that. Oh, and yeah, that's going to be really good. fun. Yeah. It's going to be good, good, yep. And uh, I've already got uh, plans for Gen Con, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so you, like I said, you did PretzCon this weekend, which was our local Omaha convention, and I think you did just one day of it, right? Yeah, um, certainly last year I know uh, we all went there and went there for a couple of the days. Uh, this year, just uh, with everything going on, I just ended up going uh, one day on Saturday. Got to spend the whole day there, though. Got there around oh, 10, 10.30, and oh boy, it was it was a good 1.32 a.m. before I left. So I got a long, long day of gaming in. Got to play a lot of games. Yep, and I, I actually have a good record of that, actually. I have a good record of how many different exciting games you got to play, because you were really, really considerate and sent me a whole bunch of texts. Um, so that I could see every really fun game you were playing. Um, at that time, I think I was uh, about starting in about hour four of a, uh, a, a continuing education on pain. And we went about 12 hours that day in a windowless room. But, you know, you brightened up my day with all those texts <laughs> of all those games that you were getting to play. So that was great. Well, I like to share with you, you know, and I I like to make sure that you uh, know the the fun that I am having. (laughs) Well, you are not. Yeah, because that's the kind of friend I am. Golly gee, thanks, buddy. Um, In (laughs) fact, uh, I I got to send you a a certain game that I played. And uh, Richie, I don't know if you saw this, but... uh, made Chad a little bit uh, ticked off, I, I believe. <laughs> I did see that. And, I got and pissy. Honestly, I got pissy. <laughs> honestly, I got a bone to pick with you, too, but I'll, I'll let you explain this oh, first. Okay. Oh. Well, a friend of mine, Jake, was going to uh, gonna be there, and we were going to get together and play games, and he uh, texted me before we left and was like, hey, anything particular that you want me to bring uh, for us to play? Well, as Chad knows, Jake has a very very uh, hard to find game. I mean, the very small print run of a game called Clinic. And Chad, remind me, who's the... Albin Viard is the designer. Yes. Uh, but I, I only think maybe like 500 copies or something of this game were made, if that many. Uh, it almost, the game itself, almost seems like it's a prototype game still. It's very, the components, uh, definitely not the greatest components in the world. The box is like a corrugated cardboard box. Yeah. And, and the, the board is just simply like a all, not much more than just a paper board that you fold out. And the player boards are the same way. And then everything's just a bunch of cubes. So if you're a person who likes nice, fancy components, and that's what you like about games, do not play this game because you are not going to get it. It has none of those things in it. But if you're looking for a good, strong, medium to heavy Euro game, this has got it. 
all every everything about it. So, anyways, I got Jake to bring that game, and we got to play it. And during the game, I said, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show this one to Chad because I know Chad's been really really wanting to play it." And then I got some choice words back when uh, Chad saw that I was playing. <laughs> yeah, big surprise. Yep. Now, uh, in, in in my uh, in my defense, I had said to him like three times, "Hey, next time, Jake. Next time that hits the table, I want to be there. Make sure you're breaking it out." Because last game night, he was like, "Oh yeah, well we're gonna play this game tonight." And I was like, "Okay, okay." But the next time you take that off the shelf, make sure I'm there. He's like, "Yep, yep. Okay, got it. Yep. All right." And then as soon as my yep. back was turned, as soon as my back was turned, Clef's like, "Bring clinic. That's great." So, no, I, I get it. The The cool thing about this that I, yeah. I bet you didn't know is there are plans for a reprint of this game next year, I believe, with Ian O'Toole's art, which I'm so totally in. Oh, nice. Well, that's a good news because I will, a little spoiler here before I even say anything about the game, I want the game. I mean, it was a good, good, solid Euro game that I really, really enjoyed. Well, let me just go into talking about Clinic. So Clinic is basically, the, the, the premise of the game is you are building a hospital and then you are using doctors to treat different clients. And during this, while you are treating these different clients, you're making money from treating these different clients and then paying for hospital costs. And then, of course, at the end, eventually, what the main object of the game is, is to score the most victory points. Now, uh, it's, it's a, like I said, it's an action selection over six rounds. And there are three different actions that you're going to choose each round. There's going to be a build action, a higher action, and then a basically an, an admit action, which is where you admit these different uh, patients in. Um, now, the unique thing is, is each patient will have a different color from uh, white all the way up to red, where white is the least critical all the way up to red is the most critical. And the same thing with the doctors. They all have different colors that of what they can treat. So obviously a white doctor can only treat, uh, you know, the white cubed patients. And like, a, for instance, a red doctor can only treat a red uh, patient. And it's not like when I first thought about the game, you know, a lot of games, you know, well, if you have a red doctor that can treat a red, he can go on and treat all the ones all the way down. But that's not the case in this game. You don't even treat the ones that are like a red doctor would never treat a just a regular white patient. Almost it's like uh, like they're a specialist and so they can't take care of a simple, you know, eye problem or something like that. So you have to have nurses to kind of help you run and help to do different, you know, they can move you up one level or down one level of cubes, uh, which was, you know, a really interesting part of the game. But uh, the other thing, like I said, so after hiring and uh, admin, you're going to have uh, building the floors of this hospital. And basically the, the grid, there's like a four part to it where you're going to be building and then building on top of it. And you have to build different, like you have to build offices where the staff, you know, bring the patients in. You have to have the rooms where they actually do the operating in. You have to have a room where the doctor basically stays. You also always have to, no matter what, whoever goes into the hospital, whether it's a doctor or a nurse or a patient, they've all got to drive cars. So you got to be able to park the cars in the parking lot. You have to have that, which was kind of an interesting thing. Um, and in fact, whenever you, somebody leaves, you get to remove a car and it doesn't matter which car you move. So there's a little side note in there that sometimes a patient can go home in a, uh, a, the doctor's car, uh, you know, the nice Mercedes Benz or something that they can take home. Anyways, uh, you you have the, the parking lot. Then you have, um, like I said, different staff that's in the building. 
And then whatever you end up treating in a round for a patient, you get paid a certain amount of money. Then after you get that money for treating those patients, then you're going to have like an admin round where you have to pay for everything in the hospital. Every room that's in the hospital cost, every doctor, every nurse, everybody costs money that you have to pay. Then whatever money you have left over at the end of that round, you can then decide how many victory points you want to buy. But obviously the next round, if you don't have enough money to do things that you need to do, that could be bad. So you're like, oh, do I want to spend the money or do I not want to spend the money? And that's where it's really kind of tricky because then at the end of the game, all leftover money is worth nothing if you didn't use it in the right way and actually spend it on victory points. So you always have to make sure what do you need for victory points and what do you want to keep, uh, which was just a really fascinating thing. So uh, and then one other thing that I haven't talked about with the game is it also every time you move people like from like the waiting room to the to the operating room to wherever you move them around it takes up time and you have a little time track that you do and every five every movement is like a five minute type of movement and then at the end of the game every 15 minutes of time that you spent you lose a victory point so excellent game it was uh, jake and i played it we were really close at the end i think i ended up beating him by like a couple of points it was a really really close game. it was one of those games where we almost were like playing each other too you know we were talking about oh this would be good for you to do and kind of trying to help each other so it wasn't like a, a cutthroat type of game but very good i really am looking forward to it and chad you don't have to worry Jake and I have both said we are definitely looking forward to playing this game again. Okay, cool. Well, I heard there's a really fascinating spatial element to it, too, so I definitely want to want to dig into that. For sure. All right. Well, uh, let's just get a chat. What have you been playing? Um, well, I uh, I got in a play with you of uh, Railways of Nippon, which is great because my copy is going to be coming in soon, and I was excited to finally play this one. So Railways of Nippon just kind of, just came out not too long ago for real retail. It had been in Kickstarter. And it, this Nippon map is designed by Hisashi Hayashi, but it's originally implemented um, by Glenn Drover, who re-implemented Martin Wallace's Age of Steam. All that is to say it's a pick-up-and-deliver game, which I'm starting to like more and more. I didn't think I'd did like uh, pick up and deliver, but the more I find some some ones that I I really like, the more I'm I'm poo pooing that mechanism less and less. So what you're doing is you have a whole bunch of cities on this map that have cubes in them that are symbolizing cargo that you're shipping to different cities. The different colors go to different cities, and you want to make money by connecting routes. So it's route building, and then you're trying to chain the right route building with more powerful trains and deliver cubes to further and further cities and get more more points and more money. The great thing about the game that I found uh, really fascinating is the engine building to the game where you're trying to get together and chain these routes along but halfway up the score track you're you're supposed to be making money every round that you're that you're doing this so you get money you get paid out for for where you're at on the score track but then as you start to get really good that money on the score track goes back down so now you're not making as much money even though you're making longer and longer routes and you're more successful so you really have to balance that and at the beginning of the game the other interesting part of it too is you have to take 
bonds. So you're already in debt because you start the game with no money, but you have to balance that out really well because you have to subtract your bonds every time from your payout each round. So if you just take a whole bunch of money, that's or a whole bunch of bonds, that's great. You have a whole bunch of money to start with, but then you better move up that score tracker real quick because you're subtracting those bonds each time, which can definitely be a handicap. So you got to hit the sweet spot with that. So that was that was a lot of fun. I like it because. Like I said, it's pick up and deliver, it's route building, there's some interesting combo chains there that you can have, but it's not real heavy either. I could see myself taking it out in a variety of situations with different types of gamers, newer gamers, and them not having too much trouble. The other fun combo thing that you're doing is there are event cards that come out of the deck, so you're bidding every round on whether you want to go first, and if if you want to grab an event card that might be particularly helpful for you then that's something you can do too. But all that is to say that I really enjoyed my play. I was happy with how accessible the game was, but also how many great decisions there were too. So I, I was really glad that uh, that you taught it. And that was a really good teach, by the way, too, Clef. So thanks for teaching. Yeah. No, you know, no problem. You you caught on uh, very quickly. Uh, my, my first game of that that I played with a – with a friend of mine, uh, Corey, he did not quite catch on to the fact that uh, more bonds was not a great idea. And at some point when he was uh, making income every round, he was basically losing money every round and never made money. So you caught on quickly to making sure you didn't want to get too many bonds so that you're making money and then uh, really pushing those, uh, getting those better cubes to or those longer routes to, to bring up the score. And we were pretty close, but I think you still ended up beat me by about 10 points. Uh, you definitely did something where you outbid me quite a bit yeah. for those extra cards. And I and I was kind of letting you do that. Uh, well, maybe not letting you, but you were having a little bit more money, so you were able to. So that uh, that definitely was a, was a key to that game. I, I'm looking forward to trying that with some more players because I've only gotten to play it two players twice. Uh, twice now so see so we'll see what that's yeah like. i want to i i i definitely would like to do that and you know Corey probably had what what we now call thanks to me uh a Vin, a Vinos chad death spiral it sounds like so <laughs> so anyway uh but richie i really i really want to teach you that game because i think you'd i think you'd have a good time and that would get get some more plays of it in with a higher player count so i'd like to do that yeah i definitely richie, check are one you out. a big are you Richie? Are you a big uh, pickup and delivery guy, or not? Kind of iffy on it. Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of iffy on it. It depends on the game. There are ones that I like, but um, this one actually looks good. I've I've seen a couple playthroughs of it after you guys were talking about it, and it does look good. Traders of Osaka's pickup and delivery. Uh, kind of, not really. Okay, not in the okay. traditional sense. Well, Akrotiri is yeah. too, and I know you like that one. Yeah, is that one. is a good one. But it's smart about it. Well, Richie, sorry. Tell us what you've been playing lately. Well, first, you know, I said I had a bone to pick with Clef, and actually, oh, I got to right. throw you oh, in. Yeah. I got to throw you in too, Chad. Oh, yeah. so, oh no! <laughs> so what I, did I do? After these, it was okay until he throws you in. <laughs> I was all excited. <laughs> after these pictures of clinic go up, I also see pictures of Concordia pop up on the feed, which is in my top ten. And I tried to get Clef mm-hmm. to play Concordia a couple times since we talked about it last, and I've gotten the no-go on that. And then after that, I see Russian railroads with the American railroads go up on the feed, which you two played together. And then when I come over, 
there's flow of history on the table, which it can only be <laughs> described as hot garbage. It's just a, just a dumpster fire of a game. It's terrible. Uh, so both of you okay, are in trouble. Well, I'm going to throw Clef under the bus. I'm going to say you're right. Clef planned, Clef planned for that. He always wants to deny your, deny your enjoyment of Concordia and only chose to play it with, with Jake. But as for American Railroads, I have suggested that before, and you've been there. So in my defense, I have suggested that before. Now, I did suggest <laughs> right. the hot garbage last time, and I'm sorry for the hot garbage uh, that we won't even say its name, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Flow of history. Uh, okay, hold on. here. So let me, let me plead my case. First of all, uh, that was at the con, and that was somebody else's idea to play Concordia. I was... I probably picked a different game, but it was a five-player. We had we had uh, five people, so Concordia felt that bill. And I do enjoy Concordia. I'm not like the – like it's not like in my top ten, but I do enjoy it, and I will play it again. I, I It's a good game, so you're no problems there. The American Railroads, that's all on Chad. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> blaming Chad for that one. <laughs> and the, uh, you know – we're not going to talk much about it, but because uh, I know some people really think that the Flow of History is a really good game. Oh boy, uh, the three Ooh, of us played it. We just did not have yeah, a good play just, of it. We just did not. To each their own. We just did not have a very good play of it. And I know, right. like our man, just wasn't our, our style, right? Uh, Ryan from uh, Omaha, other Omaha podcast, a really good podcast across the board. If you're not listening to it, you should check it out. But Ryan really likes that game, or it's in his. He calls it his hot nine right now. So it's it's in his yeah, on his hot. Not list. necessarily his top right. nine, but hot. So nine. he really likes it. It's it's on now, it's on Richie's him, hot garbage, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for Ryan, he he barely plays any games, so hot nine might just be the oh, last nine he's played over the past. That's year shots like fired that. right there. You the could get the rest of his seriously, if you ever see his collection. I would say 60 to 70% of it is in shrink. <laughs> Not even out of the shrink. He's a collector, as he puts it. <laughs> he just plays other people's games. All right. Well, All right. Oh, before we get into too much trouble here, Richie, steer us steer us All in right. the other direction. What have you been playing lately? <laughs> so surprise, surprise, another uh, Kramer and Kiesling. I'm trying to get through my backlog of uh, uh, Wall of Shame games that I have, which I think is that it's in the 70s. It's not good. So uh, after I counted them up after last episode, I decided to just start knocking out that list. And nice. so I opened up uh, my copy of To Call, uh, which is a Kramer and Keesley game from the 90s, maybe. It's an older game. I have the Super Meeple reprint, which is absolutely gorgeous. Um, so if you are going to pick up this game, I would definitely suggest trying to track down that version of it. And so in To Call, you are basically exploring the island of To Call. And it, it's really a area majority set collection game. And on your turn, uh, you'll draw a tile, you add it to the board, and then you get 10 action points that you can spend. And there's a number of different actions that you can do. Uh, but for the most part, where you're, where you're going to be scoring your points is by controlling these different temples on the board, which they, they start at various levels, but they go anywhere from level 1 up to level 10. When you pull a volcano tile from the draw pile that will trigger off a scoring round 
and then that's when you check for majorities around each temple and you'll score depending on the level that it is so if it's a level 10 you would score 10 points and then if you have um, there are these treasure tiles that you can excavate from uh, the jungle and they have different symbols on them different treasure types essentially and if you have a matching set that's worth I think six or I think it's worth three points if you have uh, three of a kind of a particular set it's worth six points uh, and that's really where you're going to be getting your points from and there are uh, it will end up being about four scoring rounds in a game after that you just whoever has the most points is the winner of the game and I was actually pretty impressed with it for an older title I think it holds up pretty well the super meeple edition of it with the resin uh, little resin temple tiles uh, is pretty awesome. It definitely adds to it. I know the original version was just cardboard tokens that stacked up, but really good. Um, I know, Chad, you've been wanting to try this one out, haven't you? Yeah, I saw the I saw the pictures of it, first of all, that you took, and they just look they look great. The other thing, because I've been, I've been hearing about this for some time, and, you know, I really like Kramer and Kiesling games anyway. So when you had said that you had it, I it, it felt like a... A blank spot in my gaming education, let's say. But the I'd heard that the action point stuff that they have done in several other games, I think, in this game can lead to some AP, I guess, for some people. Did you feel like that? Because you're sort of planning out how you're doing that, and then maybe something messes you up and you have to start over and put those... Did you find that at all? Or I could see it being a problem. It wasn't a problem for us. It was me, my wife, and then we always... Once a month, we play with a couple... Uh, Kristen and Stefan and we're all pretty fast players and we don't like to basically we don't like to take back turns so right if you're not doing that then you, you shouldn't have an issue but I could see it you know if you have someone in your group that has AP or when they start taking actions they may want to backtrack a little bit that that could get confusing and could take a lot of time just because there's no way to keep track of those 10 action points outside of right. just in your head so, you know, yeah. if you raise up a temple, that's two action points. If you move and explore, that's one. And then all of a sudden, if they want to backtrack, they got to make sure they are taking back everything and make sure they're counting up their action points correctly. So, yeah, yeah I could see that being an issue. Well, cool, though. It sounds like a it sounds like a good one. I'm interested. Yeah, we'll definitely have a good yeah, shot. Yeah, I'd like to give it a shot. All right. So that's what we've been playing. Now we're going to move on to our newest segment, Clef's Kickstarter Corner. <laughs> All right, welcome to Clef's Kickstarter Corner. So, guys, if you know a little bit about me, I am I'm the cult of the new. We talked a lot about that. And Kickstarter, obviously, is a big spot to get cult of the new. So I am always browsing the Kickstarter page and checking out what new games are coming. So I kind of thought a new segment we could kind of run each, uh, you know, each month would be what is the newest Kickstarter that I have either backed or maybe looking to back. And this month, hot off the presses, I'm talking it came out today, so there should still be, this should be still going by the time you hear this, so if this sounds like something you're interested in, should still be running on Kickstarter. And this is called The Forbidden City. Uh, Forbidden City is a looks a pretty good Euro type of game. It's made 
from uh, the same guy who made Firenze and Hansa Teutonica. So if you're familiar with those games, both really excellent, uh, deep type of thought, Euro type of games. Uh, the Forbidden City, basically families are going to take on the role of offering gifts to bribe city officials. It's kind of like the thought process. I guess back in ancient China, there was a time when there was like a lot of corruption where they said you no longer can like give money as bribes. Well, then they started instead giving gifts as bribes so that that way they were not actually giving money. So this game has a little bit of a theme with that. Not that, you know, theme is going to be my biggest thing about a game, but um, that it seems kind of like an interesting thing. So you basically have three phases in this game. A morning phase, which this is where people kind of prepare for the day. Then you have the day phase, which is where your actions are going to be. And then an evening phase, which is basically kind of like a cleanup where players check to see if they've kind of matched with this destiny pile with, with what they put down for their gifts. So there are seven different type of actions that are on the board. It looks like there's a place of heavenly purity. There's travel. So you're going to kind of send a guy traveling. There's the Great Wall. Well, we all know about the Great Wall of China type thing. Jade which are like different gems and things you can get. Uh, intrigue, which are like different abilities and things you can do. Uh, decrees, which are going to give you certain advantages and victory points at the end of the game. And then this Grand Canal, which once again, you can serve, uh, send your servants on a journey through the canal. So really just seems like a really good, crunchy Euro game. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. It also really looks beautiful. It's from... Uh, Oh, I'm trying to think. Brewer. What was the name of it? Uh, Game Brewer, which I think is out of uh, Germany, but it's being co-produced with uh, TMG. And we all know, well, except for the flow of history, we all know what a nice <laughs> job TMG does with Deluxify games. So I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Uh, like I said, it's brand new, hot off the presses, but it did fund in one day. So it's already funded. If you like Euros and, you you know, just uh, that theme, it all kind of hits at you, go check it out. It really, really looks cool. Uh, that is The Forbidden City. All right, so in anticipation of our draft this week of filler games, we figured we would go ahead and talk about what is a filler game because – uh, even amongst us, I know we've had different definitions of that. Let's talk about time first. You know, how much time should a filler game take up? Uh, Chad, what do you think? Well, this is a really good question because I kind of did an informal poll around uh, on on the Slack chat group at, at the Across the Board podcast, and I kind of did. Uh, I ran into this with Joel Eddy online and and um, the Gaming Rules podcast, and they all had different answers. Really different answers for me. I said, uh, I said thirty minutes generally, and I was kind of going by thirty minutes being okay. It's thirty minutes, sort of on the box, because boxes always lie anyway and say that it takes you less time than it really does. So the box time was kind of what I was going by because any more than that, and it feels like you're just you're you're doing a longer game. And I certainly don't count like just because you've played a game 
20 or 30 times and you can with that one other person buzz through it i don't count that because that just means you've got a lot of practice with the game and not very many people would really consider that a filler that means you do because you're just super adept at it so 30 minutes is my time but you know like i said i talked to uh to joel eddie and and to um to the gaming rules podcast and they all said different things like um uh i'm trying to think of the name at the at, at, at gaming rules um Paul Grogan, Grogan, thank you. Yeah, Paul Grogan said 15 minutes. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's quick. That's real quick. That definitely is a filler game. Yeah, but I know you guys have a different different view of that. Uh, Clef, you you and Richie both said something different. Well, I personally just, uh, an hour to me, and and it's obviously subjective. I play a lot of longer games. You know, well, I think the three of us all do play a lot of longer games. So I think that a filler for us can mean, might mean a little longer. But I personally think under an hour to me is a filler game because it's almost like you're waiting for somebody else to get there and maybe they're not going to be there for another 45 minutes to an hour and you can usually get a game in quick enough. And I'm not even talking, you know, yes, I guarantee you I can get a game of Great Western Trail in two-player with a friend of mine, Brian, in 45 minutes. But I'm not talking about that. (laughs) I would say a true filler game that just is, yeah, just – regular when you put it on when you pull it out with normal people you can get it done and you know i said an hour i'll go back and say okay 45 minutes maybe is a little bit closer to what i would say uh you know being able to wrap it up for sure maybe a little bit more than 45 minutes to to an hour yeah and that's where i'm at 45 minutes just because those games that can play at an hour like me and jessica have played castles of burgundy up in the 40s as far as number of plays so we can play that in an hour easily, just the right. two of us. Right. Uh, but sometimes that can drift, you know, to an hour, 15, hour and a half maybe. So I said 45 minutes with, you know, maybe you, you might drift up to an hour. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, 45 minutes for me. So do you think weight or complexity play a role at all? See, that's interesting because I, I don't think it should matter. I, I think a filler game is a filler game when it fits in that space. I think the reason, because people will talk about filler games and, oh, that's such a bad, right now there was a, a thing on online during the forums and that's a bad term because some filler games are great and it makes it seem like it's just filler, it's fluff, it's whatever. Well, I think of a filler game as that thing you get in between some other games that you can do quick and you, you can kind of depend on the time and say, hey, we're going to do this for a while and then we're going to you know, somebody else is going to show up or somebody else has to leave or that sort of thing. And then we play a filler game at the beginning or the end of the night. It's it's mostly important as it relates to time. But again, that's my feeling. I don't know. Clef, what do, what do you think about it? I, I would say that, you know, for most part, I feel like filler games are lighter affairs because they are so they're kind of a quick game that you're playing either, like you said, waiting for somebody to come or sometimes it's the end of the night, you know, you've played a really heavy couple of games or something like that, and you just want a little bit of a, uh, hey, let's just play this to kind of end the night off with. So I would say most of the time a filler's game is going to be light on the weight. Richie, can you think? Doesn't have to be, but. Can you? No, that's okay. Richie, can you think of a game that is heavier in weight that plays it? 30 to 45 minutes? Well, I know Capstone, they're doing that kind of that line of thinky fillers, you know, the right, that climbers. Right, Simply Complex. Yeah, Simply Complex, right. Um, 
So probably climbers might fall into that as far as to play it well. But you can also, you know, if you're bad at the game, you're yeah, it's, <laughs> it's still going to be fast. So right, I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. Outside of that, I think those are really the only ones I can think of where just abstract games in general can be thinkier. Uh, you know, like uh, I don't think you guys would draft this. So I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say Yinch, you know, uh, things that are part of the gift series. Sure. Which are thinky games and they're only going to take you 30, 45 minutes, maybe even less sometimes. Right. Right. I mean, some of what makes it gives a game its weight is the structure of its planning and sequencing and strategy that goes into it. And you can't have too much of that in a 30 to 45 minute game. Okay. Here. So here's just real quick on a discussion of what constitutes it actually being a game. Because this is just my personal opinion. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to call out jake again on this happy salmon is not a game that is an activity that's not a game i disagree with you that's just a silly active oh come on it's just a silly activity it's a dexterity game I... oh my goodness it's not a dexterity <laughs> Dexter- game no it, it's, it's an activity a hope but... for somebody else to yeah it's an activity that no i disagree is. here that's that a... is too light as a filler that's not even a, like i said it's not for me for something to have a game you for something to be a game you need to be keeping score okay and there needs to be a win condition though that does it now it is super light it is technically a kid's game are you going to play like spinderella with your kid and be like ah this isn't a game it's an activity i just want you to know that to your to your five year old, <laughs> I mean, because that's really what it is. Well, it's, a, it's a it's a silly game. It's an activity, you know. But it's it it's yes, a, it's an activity. I, yes, you just said all right, it. all right, activity. all right. I heard no, you. it's a silly game, <laughs> but it's a game, you know. So there's yes, a win condition. So we 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 ended up at the end of the night playing Happy Salmon. You know, uh, Jake's like, yeah, we got to play this, we got to play this, and I'm like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll play this. And so it was, you know, I think four or five of us playing this game at the end of the night after we'd played a bunch of heavy games. And uh, I got done with it, and I was like, that is not a game. That is an activity. <laughs> and Jake's sitting there putting it in his phone as a play, and I'm like, no, I am not putting that in my phone. That is not a game I'm putting in my phone. It is an activity, and I'm – all right, and I'll, I'll drop it here. But <laughs> I will go to my grave saying – that's an activity. Here's an example of that, by the way. I know we're, we need to move on to filler games, but here's an example of that. So concept, right? If you ever play that party game concept, you play concept with teams and you're you know, trying to put those markers on different concepts to get people to guess a word or a phrase that you have on your card. And the concepts are you know, lots of signs and symbols and stick figures and all that kind of stuff to get them to guess this thing. Well, if you play that game, you often play it, the way I've played it anyway, which I don't tend to like it that much, but you play it without the scoring oftentimes. You're just, now, when it's without the scoring, that's an activity. That's not a game, okay? So that's kind of where I stand on that thing. But again, I know that I'm probably in the minority here on this podcast as far as that goes. Yeah, I think this is just another one of those parts where Richie and I are right, and we're right, so we'll just move <laughs> right. on. Now, I would still count it as my, you know, as a play in my BG stats. You'd put it in your I'd phone. I'd put it in my oh, phone. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! We're gonna have to have a stats, nope. a stats uh, episode of this to. podcast. By the way, we're gonna have to talk about our, yeah. our our resolutions and stuff. But okay, so we, so Richie, yes. what do you think about complexity? I don't. I don't think it matters. I think uh, as as long as it's fallen in within that time frame 
then it, it doesn't matter as far as how complex or light it is. Uh, I, you know, I still don't consider Happy Salmon like a, a game game, but, uh, you know, anything anything that falls in within that time where we're just filling time until we're about to do something else or, you know, whatever, uh, I think that counts. Well, I think that can be it for our discussion of what, what constitutes a filler game. Shall we get on with our draft, gentlemen? Let's, Let's do, it. do it. All right. Here we go. On to our draft. We like to have unique games for every pick, so we're going to do this draft. We're going to randomly determine who will go first with a die roll, and then that person who wins is going to pick the draft order. So then we're going to have a serpentine draft, meaning that the person who picks first, who uh, the person who picks last in the first round will pick first in the second round. And then once a game is drafted, it's off the board and no one else can draft it. So this way we have that unique list that we're talking about. All right. Here we go, our draft. Gentlemen, grab your die. I got mine. Right. Yep, I'm ready. Here we go, roll them. Three. Five. We need to figure out a new way to determine this. <laughs> I swear, I'm, I'm almost positive this is the third time we've rolled, and I've rolled a one every single time. Well, you need to get a new die. Eight dice rolls. Uh, Eight Richie dice says rolls. you shouldn't use that wooden die anymore. Yeah. Throw them all out. <laughs> I was using my nice metal one. I was I was using this nice heavy metal one. And I bet they didn't balance that. Anyway, all right, I'm first. Oh, uh, all right, what's, I, the, what's the draft order? Okay, so it's going to be me and then Richie and then Clef because of clinic, you're last. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right, we ready to go? I'm ready. Uh, all right, with my first pick of the top filler game draft, I select... San Juan by Andreas Seyfarth. So. Nice. Uh, it's a great multi-use card game. Um, it's a card game that is an implementation of Puerto Rico. So after Puerto Rico came out, he designed this multi-use card game where your cards are the buildings that you're building, but they are also the resources which you use to pay for your buildings, and you're also using them to draw more cards. So is it real complicated? Nope, but it's a great game that I can play in 30 to 45 minutes. And I don't like to game a lot on the iPad, but I have the physical version. And sometimes when my wife doesn't want to move, <laughs> we'll get out the iPad and play it on the iPad as a pass and play too, which is great. But it's a nice little multi-use card game. Now I know that Race for the Galaxy is... Uh, a greater, more complicated implementation, but for my money as a filler game, for what I use it for, San Juan is going to be my number one pick. It's a great game. I good game. Yeah, I've like you said, I I basically play the digital version now mm-hmm. for the most part, but I still have my physical copy, and when it hits the table, I'm always happy about it. So yeah, uh, one my wife and I played a lot back in the day, uh, to the point of where. I almost feel like we we got it figured out and know what the best strategy is, but still a definitely enjoyable game. So Richie, moving on, what's your okay? So there's I think there's only one game on my list that I have to worry about, so I'm gonna go ahead and take it now. I think it might be on Clef's list, but I'm gonna go with Port Royal 
Mm. By uh, Alexander Pfister. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was on my All list. All right, good. All right, so in Port Royal, you have a it's multi-use cards. So the back of the cards are your coins, and then the front of the cards have different uh, ships on them, which you can trade and get get coins out of, and then there's different personalities that you can get. Uh, but it's basically a race to, I mean, you can set the, the point threshold. I think in the regular or in the base game rule book, it's to 12 points. The neat thing about it is it's kind of a push your luck game that has some great decisions in it. So the way that you start your turn is by flipping over the top card of the deck and it will either be a personality or a ship. And then you can keep flipping as, as long as you want. But if you happen to flip out two ships and the ships come in, f- I think five different colors, uh, if you happen to flip out two ships that are the same, then you bust and all those cards go away and your turn is over. Uh, but if you stop before that happens, then you get to buy from the display. And then the other thing I really like about this game is that after you buy from the display, any cards that are left over, then the rest of the players get a chance to buy from the display as well. So you are involved the entire game and on everybody's turn. So you always have to be paying attention. Uh, so it, it's just a great filler. I uh, have the expansion for it as well, which adds contracts uh, and actually speeds it up a little bit because it, it gets that money, uh, gets 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 you more money just faster. So, yeah, it's a just a great uh, little filler game. So, Clef, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Chad, have you played this at all? Yeah, you. I played it with you, and I played oh, it. Oh, yeah. The right. one time I, I played you. it, that's we played right. with the expansion. I really enjoyed okay. it. I, I definitely enjoyed it. The only reason I didn't get it was because at the time, I think the only way to get it was the Steve Jackson version, which had the different backs of the cards from the expansion, and so I was not real interested in doing that. So. Yeah, and I know <laughs> I was like, Clef could talk about yeah. that with the expansion. <laughs> yeah, I I loved the game, so I uh, went out and bought it and really didn't didn't know that there was an expansion for it and loved it, and then I got the expansion, and I was all excited, and then I figured out the the card backs are still the same, still the same coin or whatever, but the size is different. So and just <laughs> you barely, can't put right? In the same, yeah, not terribly different. And I think if I find the right sleeves, I think I probably can at least make it work. But it's just kind of annoying, and it's one of those things that I was just like, oh, this is stupid. But uh, no, great filler game. That's one here lately. Um, Corey and I, a friend of mine, have been playing at the end of our heavy nights of wildcatters and Madeira and all those kind of fun things. Uh, we just kind of finish off the night by saying, hey, let's play a quick game of Port Royale. And uh, we always have a good time uh, playing it, even since he usually beats me every time we <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, that's Port Royal. Cliff, oh. go ahead. Okay, so I got the old back-to-back here. So I'm going to start off with uh, – now, certainly sometimes, you know, when I thought about this for fillers – you know, when you say, well, this game only plays two players, so, well, okay, you got three or four people, and you can't play a filler in that amount of time. But a lot of times, to me, that you finish off or you're waiting for somebody, two-player game's not so bad, and I think this is one of the best games out there, more or less as a filler, but that's going to be Seven Wonders. Yeah. Uh, do you guys, the good, I mean, you. this is a filler, right? I mean, yes. Yeah, Half definitely. hour, 45 minutes, it, definitely It was filler. on my list, for sure. Okay, good. So, I, you know, I, I debated it because of the two-player aspect, but I really think that it's uh, one of the one of the better ones out there for a filler. I 
like the, oh, you know, some people think it's kind of a mean game. Uh, you know, I just kind of find it obviously to be that's that's the uh, mechanics that you play in it. But neat drafting, really well done. Um, yeah, just an excellent game and definitely one that it will always be part of my collection and, and very much enjoy that one. So that's uh, Seven Wonders Duel for my first pick. Did you guys have anything else on that one? No, I, I'm just jealous because that, that, I was worried about whether Richie was going to take San Juan, so I took that, and then, of course, I really uh, wanted Duel, <laughs> too. So. Good pick. Yeah. yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so for my next pick, uh, I'm going to go with No Thanks. No Thanks, definitely fast little filler game. You know, you can play more than one game of it, but even playing multiple games of it will take you – a half hour, 45 minutes of the most, even if you play, uh, you know, some sort of scorekeeping. But fun little game where you're trying to bid on cards or basically kind of almost where you're bidding not to take a card because each card you get is worth points and you're trying to kind of golf score here. You're trying to get the lowest score. And so you don't want to take th- these cards. But if you take a card, say, like 25, and then later you get a card that's a 24 out there, because it's in a you know a run, you don't have to you won't score the 24. You'll simply score the 25. You just score whatever the highest number is. So the 24 is like zero points to you, where that's going to be 24 points to everybody else. So it's kind of a neat little cat and mouse game of uh, you know sometimes you may not take it right away because you get these chips that are then minus points and they let you not take cards. So you can kind of have a cat and mouse there, but then somebody else might all of a sudden get the 23 and then the 24 is valuable to them too, because then once again, it's not worth all that many points to them. Really neat game. And you don't always know what cards are in the deck because you always take out a certain number. Um, yeah, uh, just a really fun filler game. I really, I really enjoy that one. So that would be my next, my second pick is uh, no thanks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I just love in that game where that card, no one else wants it, but you, and you just keep throwing chips on there. And then eventually you always take it, it always goes too far, and then someone just takes the card with all the chips, so. Right. Yeah, all right. push and pull there. Yeah. Okay, coming back yeah. around. All right. Richie. Richie, back to you. All right, so my next pick, uh, San Juan was on my short list. Uh, the game that I'm about to pick is the reason that I probably would not have picked it, but Roll for the Galaxy uh, is, yeah. is my next pick. And, that, I mean, okay. it basically follows the same mechanism as far as, San Juan goes and uh, Puerto Rico and uh, Race for the Galaxy. But in Rule for the Galaxy, uh, it's basically an evolution of Race for the Galaxy, which I also love. I basically just play Race for the Galaxy on the app now and Rule for the Galaxy in physical form just because it's it's easier to teach and it, it plays a little bit quicker just because people aren't... I mean, the symbols are still there, but it's a little bit clearer in Rule for the Galaxy. And just it's it's fun to be able to it gives you a lot of ways to mitigate those dice rolls so yeah i just i love that i know chad is not a huge fan of this one which doesn't make much sense considering he likes all the other games but i'll let him explain himself this is uh this is pretty (laughs) irrational explain yourself (laughs) this is pretty irrational i can i can admit it uh i just for whatever reason i don't like rolling those die and hiding them behind a screen. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Just, I never realized that was the reason. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> irritates me. I, I don't 
I don't know what about it does, but I just don't like doing that. I, I would much rather have cards to pick up and look at those and decide off the cards. I know that the mechanisms are essentially the same, but for some reason that irritates me. And that's that's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> I think he might have like multiple personalities when it comes to games. Yeah, I think so a little you know, bit. Because he says he doesn't like these mean games, yet he picks, picks these mean games. And yeah, yeah. I, I'm not so sure sometimes. <laughs> Oh, we can with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that's Roll for the Galaxy. Uh, Jared. Right. I'm gonna pick my next one. Again, it's a it's a it's another uh, multi use card game, but it's by one of our favorite designers, and I'm gonna pick Oh My Goods. Now, this is pushing the time frame a little bit, but you can play it pretty quickly and I've played it I've really only played it at two, I think. So Oh My Goods by Alexander Fister is another engine-building multi-use card game, and I really, really enjoy it. I like being able to uh, build your engine up and try to run it, and it's gotten that second edition rules to it where you can really run your engine at the end and chain it all together so there isn't any more of that as there was with the first edition where you just build the first, I don't know, what is it, four or five buildings that you can build and then end the game there. Uh, So I like... I like that aspect to it, and I like trying to get those helpers in the center and make those synergize with what you're trying to do. So it's a it's a nice, enjoyable one. Now, I will admit that though I have the expansion, I really haven't played it with the sort of legacy aspect or story aspect of the expansion yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, I think we've both played it, Richie, with the, with the expansion. Yeah, and the expansion's a little odd. And, you know... Rado really had me just thinking it was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread with that expansion, the way he was talking about it. And boy, I, I don't even think I finished the scenario or whatever. It just kind of got, didn't, didn't work for me. I just, I like the base game. The base game's amazing. Right. And the rules for the expansion were pretty rough. The translation Ooh, on boy. the rules were pretty bad. Really, really bad. But yeah, but, the base uh, game is amazing. Yeah, the actual game. Yeah. I, I would suggest to most people, if you like the base game, I just wouldn't take the time for the expansion. I, I didn't think it was all that wow. great. Wow, okay. All right, well, that's my second pick, which would be Oh My Goods by Alexander Pfister, and I get to make another one right away again. So my next one is a default pick because I'm not worried about my last one being stolen. So my next one's a default pick where I would have gone with Seven Wonders Duel. I am going to go with Patchwork by Uva Rosenberg. So, nice. Patchwork, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. This is another two-player game to take the place of Seven Wonders Duel, but Patchwork is one of those that I don't play as often anymore, but it used to be that was a go-to game for my wife and I. We really enjoyed it. My mom really enjoyed the heck out of it, too. It's funny because my mom likes quilting and all this other stuff that's, you know, that's <laughs> sewing-related. It really doesn't have anything to do with that other than your placing tiles out on a board that's supposed to be like a quilt and your your economy the way you buy those tiles is through buttons and then of course you have buttons on the tile so every time you pass a certain space on the board with your marker because as you take a tile not only do you have to pay for it but you also have to move a certain space ahead on the time marker track so your marker is constantly moving forward which is 
once it crosses a certain line, it signals the end of the game. So it's constantly moving forward, and you're having to pay for those tiles with buttons. Well, the way you get more buttons, buttons is by passing a button marker on that time track as you're moving around. Then you get all the buttons that are on the pieces that you've put into your quilt. So there's a lot of push and pull there where, gosh, this is exact piece that I need but it costs a lot of buttons and it doesn't have very many buttons on it so it's not going to generate some economy for me and I'm going to have to move way ahead on the time tracker because as you move ahead you don't get those those turns so it's sort of like a Glenn Moore or a or a um, Tokaido mechanism or an Agizia mechanism where you're having to wait if you're first in line for the other player to catch up to you and they get to take as many actions until they start to move ahead of you again. And so it's a great push-pull. I like it much better than Cottage Garden. I haven't played Indian Summer yet, but those those aren't as tantalizing to me because I just really like the button economy and the simple choices, the elegance of the game that that affords. So, Richie, you you played you played Patchwork, yeah? Yeah, it's one of my wife's favorite games, and that yeah, that whole the button economy. The maybe the first time that we played, we both. I mean, our scores were terrible. And <laughs> <Yep>. then, <laughs> it's yep. one of those games that it you know it when you yep. pull it put it out on the table, it looks simple, but you know Rosenberg just has a, a way of making you feel stupid when it comes <laughs> when it comes to scoring. So uh, yeah, great game. Yep. Do you have the real buttons in, in place of the cardboard ones? <laughs> I haven't. I, it's so funny. I don't know what made me talk to my wife about this, but we were playing it. This was a few months ago, and I, ta- I said something about getting real buttons, and she goes, what? I said, you know, real buttons. It would be kind of fun. She's like, why? I said, well, <laughs> well, because, well, because, you know, it would be kind of fun to play. I've seen players, you know, pimp this out with real buttons. And she just, like, sort of rolled her eyes and was like, (laughs) so I really haven't bothered. Good job. Good job, Steph. You don't need no stupid buttons to make (laughs) that. Chad, you can play my copy. I have real buttons in there. Sweet. All right. I'll say this about Patchwork. I have not played the actual board game Patchwork in years because the app is one of the best apps That is a super good app. Uh, I love playing that app. That's a nice, quick... You could even really get in a fast game with that. Art design, music, all All of it. Good. All right, so that was Patchwork, my uh, my third pick. So, Richie, what do you got for us? All right, so my next pick... uh, Actually, Chad, you mentioned this earlier on when we were talking about pick-up-and-deliver games, and Mm -hmm. it's Traders of of Osaka, or Mm -hmm. Traders of Carthage is, the I think, the original version. But... In uh, Traders, you have, and this plays best at two or three. Never play it at four because just with four people, it becomes way too random. But at two or three, it's nice and tactical, and I probably prefer it at two. Um, But in Traders of Osaka, it's a multi-use card game where you have a board. uh, They call it the farm, and then uh, the the future market or something like that that's going to be coming up. But you're going to be drafting cards from the farm. I think it's the farm. I could be getting this all mixed up. But you're going to be drafting cards from the board, basically. And when you take them into your hand, they just count as money. And then those same cards that are out there, when you go to buy... Oh, it's the market. That's right. Market is what you're taking from. Farm is what's going to be coming up later on. And then... So when you go to buy the market, you have to buy the whole market. And so... And then those cards will become goods. 
and that go in front of you. And when you buy the market, you, you start moving these, there's these little ships all in the four different colors of the suits of the cards on the board. They will start moving towards Osaka. It's a little map. Uh, and they'll start moving towards Osaka. And so basically you're going to end up delivering these goods. That's why it doesn't really feel like a pickup and deliver game because you're just buying those cards and the, the ships move automatically based on the number of goods that you buy. Okay. So you're trying to time it out to where, because if there's, if one of the ships make it, makes it to Osaka to make the delivery, there's a couple of spaces where if there are ships sitting in those spaces, all the goods of, of that color will be lost at sea. So basically the boat ship, the boat sinks. So you're trying to time it out to where you can sink uh, your opponent's goods, and then you still have a lot of goods that you are selling um, for points, basically. When you calculate the points, that's a little mathy, but once you get that, you know, once you wrap that around your head, it, it's a quick, easy uh, filler. So definitely a great game. I know I've played it with Clef. Um, what would you think of it, Clef? Yeah, I liked it. Uh it's been a while since we've played it, so I don't remember it greatly, but I know I enjoyed it and definitely would like to play it again. Cool, because I'd like a shot at that, too. So, Cool. Yeah. All right. So that's Traders of Osaka. Clef, what do you got? My next pick is going to be Biblios, an auction oh, game. That should have been, been my last pick. Uh, I completely uh, forgot about that. Ah, yeah. Good old card auction game. Uh, you basically have two phases in the game. The first phase, you're kind of going through and there you'll uh, have a certain number of cards. You'll look at a card and then you can either give it to your opponent, you can put it in a, a uh, auction pile for the next round, or you can take it into your hand. And you just do this through the entire deck and you'll just, every whoever, how many people are playing, they'll take turns doing that. And then after you get done with that part, you know, I should say that in the cards it will either have points on them like in different colors or they'll have gold on them and obviously to win the game you're trying to score a certain number of points but each uh, color has different dice and you can manipulate these dice to give the so like you could have all the blue in the world but the blue dice might only be at one so you're only going to gain one point out of it where you might only have like two or three yellow cards and their that dice is at five so you get five points out of it so it's kind of a neat mechanic there and then, like I said, then you go to the next round and then you're going to be taking the gold that you got to then auction kind of to bid on the different colors. And you're just trying to do the best you can to end up scoring the most points. Quick game. I, I would guess it probably even for three or four players takes maybe half hour, 40 minutes, um, especially I mean, if you know how to play it. You can really fly through it. Just overall, excellent this game. Uh You've played it both? Have you both played I've played it? it with you before, and I love this game. This is a pillar of game design. I struggled with putting this on my list because there were some other ones that I feel like I play more. So it's one of those, kind of like when I've talked about Concordia before, where it's like, man, I really like that game. I just don't play it as much. There are other fillers that come out more often, but I'm telling you, like I said, this, this is a great design. This design is just super yep. admirable. How you can have one separate mechanism at the beginning that flows so well into the next one, you know, and 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 leads yep. into it, but it's it's so separate. Just the way that they mesh together is is amazing. I would if I were 
if I designed this game, I would be so proud of this game. I'd just kind of, I'd come up to people, I'd be like, have you seen my Biblios? Have you seen my Biblios? Have you seen my Biblios? No, but it's a great, it's a great pick. Richie, you, you like this game, yeah? Yeah, I should have drafted it. I don't know what I was thinking. It's on my list. It's high on my list. I don't know what happened to my brain. Because neither one of you are going to take Traders of Osaka. So, yeah, it it's a yeah. great game. And, yeah, it scales well. Um, yeah, it just – the only thing that's bad about it is it's, you know, a boring-looking theme. So it's hard sometimes to get, to get people to right. pick that box when you put it – you know. Kind of excited right. about but it. But other yeah. than that, it's I, a great game. I totally agree. Yep. Yep. All right. So that was Biblio. So for my last pick, uh, I'm going to go with a – Another auction game for sale. Mm. Yes. Uh, simple, easy to play, easy to teach. I mean, it's kind of one of those. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it might even play up to, I know it plays at least five. It might even play six. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, it's one of those that you got a few minutes and, hey, we, you know, we're waiting on some people. That can really be a nice quick filler, nice, that one, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, somewhere in that range. Uh, basically, you've got houses all the way from 1 to 30, I believe, might be the top one. And you are, to start with, you're going to be flipping up these houses and basically picking these uh, different houses with this money that you have to start with, and you can bid on it. And you don't, you got to be careful because in this game, even if you don't win the bid, you still lose half of your money. So you can't go too crazy on bidding on things, uh, trying to maybe even trying to run people's bids up because you're going to lose part of that money. So that's kind of a neat aspect to it where some games where you auction, you know, you always get your money back, so it doesn't matter. But you, you bid on these houses and you put them into your ha- hand. And then in the second round, you're going to have these money values that are going to come out. And on these money, they'll just have different denominations, 15,000 or 2,000 or 7,000. You're going to secretly pick one of your houses that you drafted. And whoever has the highest house will get to pick whatever money value, which is obviously going to be the highest one out there. And then, and so on. So that you're kind of, uh, so and then the object of the game is to end up with the most money. So it's a really neat uh, cat and mouse type of draft of, I, I really like when, you know somebody has the highest number and there's like a really one, a big one. And so it's like, boy, do you, do you put out your highest or maybe they don't? And it's like, oh, what do they do? It's, it's just really fun and really quick, easy to learn. And I, I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Richie, I know we just played this here recently, didn't we? I think a couple of weeks ago we, we got a game. Yeah, in we it. did. And I actually just played it again this past weekend just because at the um, on International Tabletop Day, uh, we had that couple over to play games, and it was about 10.30 at night. They wanted to get one more game in, but they had to drive back to Lincoln, so they didn't want anything long. And I just busted this out, and it it's such an easy teach. It takes about five minutes to teach. And like you were saying, with that auction where no matter what, if you bid, you're going to be losing half of it, that just makes it really interesting. So especially when there's a yeah. big range. Like we had one where the 30 was out, and then uh, 27, and then it dropped down to 10 and 2. So it's like if you're going to bid, then you need to stick around long enough to at least get that 27. Otherwise, it's not going to be worth it. But, yeah, right. really good game. Yeah, I enjoy this game too. You, we, we, we played it together a couple times, and I, I really like it. I like, I like auction games anyway. But my new thought, actually, Clef, 
just to spice it up a little bit, is what I think you need to do for the first round of it is you need to play a round of Happy Salmon to determine starting money values for each player. <laughs> so I, I think that that might amp up the game a little bit. You want me to do an activity before <laughs> yep, I play a yep, game? Yep. Okay, I, I'll play it. I'll do an activity sure. before I play a game. Okay, sure. <laughs> so anyways, that's for sale. And that, uh, that's my four pick. So now back to you, Richie, for your last pick. All right, I'm going to try not to botch this with that Biblios <laughs> pick. Like that Biblios pick. <laughs> All right. So with my last pick, I'm going to take Arboretum, uh, which uh-huh. actually just got announced this past weekend that it's going to be reprinted. By Renegade. Uh, again here soon. Yeah, yeah by Renegade. Uh, so in Arboretum, it's a rummy-style game. Uh, so you'll you start out, I think you have the hand of five. And at the beginning of your turn, you'll always draw one card, and then you always have to, at the end of your turn, discard a card. But you're going to be building an arboretum in front of you, and the and this kind of comes into that, you know, the complexity of this game. It looks simple, but to do well in this game, uh, you really kind of you have to plan well, because the when you're building out these cards, you can put them in whatever order that you want. But in order to get any points out of them, you have to make sure that you are keeping enough cards in your hand to have majority in that particular tree or suit at the end of the game in order to score it. It's that it's kind of that lost cities where you 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 kind of hate draft cards and kind of hang on to them and hoping that the other person doesn't realize that they don't have enough to score that that uh, particular roll of trees that they have in front of them. Uh, but it's really good uh, at all player counts, and uh, I, I'm just excited to see it come back into print so so more people can play it. So, uh, Chad, I've played this with you at least once, I think. Right, and think? I only got the one play in, but I think this is a really great example of we talked about you know a filler having some heft to it, some weight to it. It's n- right. it's not complex. It's not real complex. But that scoring and how you're putting out your, your trees, your your arboretum, and and trying to decide what to hold back and grokking the scoring the first time is, is a little bit more challenging. But I, I, I really liked it. I need to get in more plays of it. I didn't I didn't let myself like it too much because I knew it was out of print, but now that it's coming right. back, <laughs> you know, I can you Yeah, that's right. More. That's right. Yep. <laughs> I, definitely the scoring is a tough thing because the first time I played this game, I didn't even – I was completely clueless. I was like, what? How? And that doesn't usually happen for me being completely clueless on games. And I just – I did not understand the scoring at all. So to, like like the opposite of For Sale, which is like a real easy game to teach, I think Arboretum is one of those games where you like almost be like, all right, we're just going to play it. And then you'll have to understand after we do the scoring, and then then you're like, oh, okay, and then you understand it. Still, very good game. Yeah, excellent. Good deal. All right, so that's Arboretum. Chad, you got your last pick? Yeah, so last but absolutely not least, and I didn't have to worry about you guys sniping it, so I just kept it towards towards the back. But this might be my, 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 my favorite, and it's All Alone by My Lonesome that I like this Agra. One. Yeah, Agra the filler. <laughs> Agra? Agra? Agra the card game. Agra the card game. Okay. <laughs> yep, by Steve Jackson. Um, so I hold on. Can we guess? Can we? I want right, to. guess. that's fair. Okay. So one guess. Richie, what? What do you? Richie I knows. think it's going to be a dice game. No, Richie game. knows. Oh, oh do I you, know. Do you know? Richie? I, I bet you do. If you think what? about it. Uh, all right. What you? What was I the? What was the description you said again? I was just saying. I I I alone am the only one who likes this game. So. Oh, uh, Matai and I. Yep. 
You got it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep, there we go. Yep. I like so, it. It's just, it's, ugh, man, you, it's tough. I'll let you talk it, about it first. It is a bear to teach. Yeah. It really is a bear to teach. It's, um, it's a multi-use card game. It's by my man Carl Chuddick, and it is about, I think Matainai actually means waste not or nothing goes to waste uh, in, oh, I feel bad about this. Japanese, maybe? Chinese? Oh, boy. Anyway, your <laughs> monks. Think it's Japanese. Okay. So you're monks, and you are, you are creating these goods, basically, to either sell in these gift shops to make, you know, to make money for your, for your, uh, your, your religion or to, uh, create works of art. And it's kind of a tableau builder, but it's multi-use cards in only the way that Chuddick does multi-use cards. So if you played Glory to Rome, you have an idea, you, you have this uh, big piece of well, not big, but a piece of cardboard that you're tucking cards into in different ways, depending on what side of the card, and it's doing all these different actions. But it is tough the way the rounds go, and it, and scoring is particularly tough. The game ends when someone has finished five works of art in one wing of their either their gallery or their gift shop, which is on the left or right of their little cardboard tuck board. So... The game ends with that, but just because you ended the game doesn't mean you've won, because you can score different points for different things. You can also, in true Chuddick fashion, there are certain cards that can combo, or certain cards that say, once you've created a work of all these different types, you've won the game. So you have cards that are resources to make these works and that sort of thing too. And, you know, there's crazy combos, just like a Chuddick game. Now... The reason, and I know for many this is heresy, the reason I prefer this to Glory to Rome is that it plays in a little bit shorter time because the recommended play count is really two players for this. You can play up to three, and then if you bought the deluxe version, you can put the card decks together and play more, but don't do that. So two (laughs) players is really where it's at with this game. And the reason that I like it that way is because, again, it's a shorter play time. So even with the huge swings, because the cards can be swingy, but that's also what's kind of fun about it. You know, if you get that card into your hand and you're going, oh boy, if I can get this out, I win the game right now, you know, and the other person doesn't know you have it, that sort of thing. So in a shorter play time, you know, you're going to have those big swings, but it doesn't matter as much. You just pick up the the game and play again. But like Richie said, man, that teach is a bear. I heard that Mike Fitzgerald, this is his favorite game, Mike Fitzgerald of Wyatt Earp and the Mystery Rummy series and Baseball Highlights. This is his favorite game, and he's developed a really good teach of it. So I need to learn how he does that. But it's it it's really what, what prevents it from being good. And for most people, yeah. If I teach it to you, I have to say, okay, we're going to play a couple games of this. Just stick with me because the first couple games are going to be tough. And then usually if you get through those, if you can commit to those, and it's not easy to do, but if you can commit to those, you end up enjoying the game. Richie, tell me what your take is. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge hump to get over that, uh, especially when it's just a, a small deck of cards. You just wouldn't think it would be that hard. And even when you read the rule book and the actions that you do on your turn, are super simple yeah. in theory <laughs> yep. you're not doing much but i don't know it just it makes my brain freeze up <laughs> uh but yeah i i still enjoy it i uh, backed the kickstarter for the expansion which is actually i believe i got my tracking number that should be here 
Thursday. Yep, so, me too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I just want to get more plays of it to where I get comfortable just teaching it and playing it as quickly as it's supposed to be played. And, Clef, you don't like this game. Well, I wouldn't say that I I don't like it, but... Yeah, I, <laughs> I knew like that was coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. It, it just... Okay, I'm not a big card yeah. fan. You know, like, I, Glory to Rome is is okay to me, um, but nothing, nothing special. I actually played, a, once again this weekend, I played... A, import export I which i don't know if that's i don't know if that's same design no it's not chuddick it's some, it's a re-implementation of glory to rome with an economic okay. i actually okay i i actually enjoyed it more than i enjoyed any of the other uh versions of it it just seemed to be more clean and easy for me to understand maybe because boy when you taught me that game i i was just like I had no idea what the hell was going on. I was just totally confused. So I, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say, but uh, not my cup of tea. Maybe that's the best sure. way to put it. I can it. understand that. Richie and I tend to like yeah. card games in general a little bit more. but Right. Yeah, so. I'd agree. All right. Well, that that okay. is our whole entire list. Now, what I would like to do, if if you guys are up for it, I'm sure there might be, at least there are for me, a couple of honorable mentions on our list that are just kind of fun. Without going into the whole game or anything, it might be kind of fun to just list, you know, two or three that you had in your back pocket that you still really like. So, since, Clef, you were last, do you have any of those you want to mention? Well, you know, I got a couple, I think. Uh, an older one, maybe not many people haven't heard of, is, is uh, Giza. I don't know if either one of you guys have ever played this. Uh, it's a quick, fun little pyramid building mm. game mm-hmm. um let's see what else did i have timeline i think it's kind of a fun mm-hmm. one uh you know kind of history or inventions and different stuff where you just got to put the things in the list and then maybe uh japur oh, is kind of a yeah. fun little two-player it's yeah. a good one good one that uh, we hadn't mentioned i think those would be maybe my my honorable ja- jaipur got my 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 in-laws hooked my in-laws kind of have the game bug because of Jaipur, so it's a good one. Oh, yep. nice. How about you, Reggie? Uh, so I had uh, World's Fair 1893 Okay. on there, and, and I think... Uh, okay, I didn't think of that one. Yeah, and that one plays... It says 45 minutes on the box, and that's been my experience, so that's why I had it on my short list. And uh, Jay Alex, I can't, I'm blanking on Kevin, his last name. Kevin. Yeah, uh, he's kind of the master of the kind of like almost medium weight to lightweight... Uh, Euros that just, I mean, all like that, Sentient, uh, Gold West, they all play smoothly. They're easy to explain. And, you know, they, they hit that 45 to an hour minute time frame pretty well. Uh, so I had that on there. Uh, Raw I had on there mm. uh, for a filler uh, Reiner Knizia auction game. And then uh, the last one was also another Reiner Knizia, uh, Circus Flacati. Have you get, oh, right. either of you guys played that? I haven't played it, but I know of it. So Yeah, just a quick uh, card game. Uh, you have the same mechanism as Port Royal where you're flipping out cards from the deck, and if you hit two of the same suit, you'll bust. But, uh, yeah, really uh, quick, easy filler to teach. What about you, Chad? Uh, the three that I, I would love to mention, and some of them are pretty light, but we still, we still like them at our house, so... 
you know, when we don't have much time or right before a meal or, you know, while we're waiting for stuff to cook, we'll play a couple of games around our house. You know, I have an eight-year-old, so nothing too heavy. But we like cockroach poker. That's a fun little one. And it's a great little bluffing game where you're just trying mm-hmm. to... The interesting thing about that game is once you've had somebody have to have uh, four of one of, a, one of a kind of bugs or insects in front of them, once you've made them take four of a kind, they're the loser and everybody else is the winner. So Yeah, that's my favorite of part of that game is that there's just yeah. one loser. <laughs> yeah, you get to wear the Dunn's hat. But everybody in the, in the family likes that one as a quick one. Uh, we love... And not everybody loves it, but we love Colt Express, which is a programming game. And it usually takes us about 45 minutes. Now, I will say that we play it at three because there's just the three of us quite often. We'll play it out with we'll pull it out with larger player counts. But we play it a lot at three because we can get it quick. And I actually think I might prefer it at three because it's enough to be strategic and not quite so chaotic. I still enjoy it at the higher player counts, but I kind of like being able to plan a little bit, but not not a great amount. So that's uh, Colt Express by Christophe Rimbaud. And then Las Vegas, which is a Rudiger Dorn dice game where you're rolling dice and then you you take all of a certain number and put it on a card to try to get the money off of that card. And people can bump you off or keep you off by tying and putting the same amount of dice on that same card and keeping you from it. And it's it's a fun little quick, really quick game where the person with the most money at the end wins. It's a fun, fun game with great design. I think. So you guys, you guys know any of those? Uh, no. <laughs> Richie, you never played Las Vegas? Um, yeah, I've played. Actually, you know, I've only played it online. Okay. That's why I was kind of blanking on it for a second. But yes, I, I know Las Vegas, yeah, but yeah. I've only played it on uh, Yakata. Okay. Yeah, we gotta play. We should play that sometime. That that that'd be a good filler filler game to play with at least four people going on. So. Definitely. Well, should we? Okay. Okay, now before we move on, real quick, raw for a filler yeah. game? I haven't I mean, played raw, so I can't I can't speak to that. That is so fast. You don't think that that could fit? Yeah, I, that, I that's forty five minutes for me, easy. Is it say forty five on the box? box. Okay, I'm pretty okay. sure it does. There you go. I think it says forty five to sixty. Okay, huh? Someone mine said that too. So. so would would Istanbul be considered? I don't know. A does it say forty five on the box? Uh, if you just I, I did base I'll game, I think it might. Yeah, it has to be base game though, because that be adds base a game lot, already. right? Right. I don't know if it adds, but okay. I was just curious. I, I raw surprised me as as a as your a thought of a filler game. I, I figure I think of that as a little bit of a heavier not not heavier game, but just a more of a see the Kanitsa like I would almost throw modern art could be a filler. See, I could have thought See, of that, thought but that that's too, really but... with the lower player counts, and I'll still play it just as much with six is my thing. So, yeah, yeah, I, I that game takes a while if you really, especially if you do what you're supposed to do and explain all the art. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You got to do that. <laughs> well, maybe that's, that's what honest. you're doing wrong in raw. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> I'm explaining every tile as it comes hey, can out. You use... This is a disaster. <laughs> can, can you use squeaky gavels in raw? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Okay. All right. All right. Not at all. <laughs> By the way, Chad, I did tell everybody, though, we were playing Modern Art uh, at PressCon, and everybody, we had the regular gavel, and I was like, yeah, you got to get the squeaky gavel. <laughs> that's, that's the way I'll give them a special, 50 cents. I've got an extra. All right. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that is our top four filler games with a little bit of extra filler in there for you. So... Thanks for joining us for the draft. Richie, why don't you tell 
tell everybody where we're at and how to vote and all that good stuff. Yep, so we'll go ahead and we'll set up a, a, a thread on our guild on uh, Board Game Geek that will have all of our lists on there. And just go on there and vote on who you think had the best list. So you can come uh, find our guild. We are Guild 3227 on Board Game Geek. You can also shoot us an email at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at punchboarders. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at punchboardparadise. So just shoot on over and uh, give us a follow, a like, and uh, maybe start up a conversation. All right. Thanks, Richie, for letting everybody know that information. So that's going to be it for Episode 5. Next time on Punchboard Paradise, we have our first ever Origins preview. Oh, how Yeah, that's going to be a great trip. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot wait to get to Origins. So anyways, that's it for us. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Good night. Hey, Clef, how soon is too soon to call Shotgun? Uh, never. <laughs> okay. <laughs>